Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's a Faith and Family Friday edition, and Carrie, you're back. Hello, I'm Tom. I'm going to keep saying that. I love that. Yeah, and it's, it, but it has nothing to do with Our Lady in terms of today's the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Now, this is Our Lady of Joy. There's great joy in that Carrie is in the house. Carrie, we got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about uh, the recent experience with Mary Healy at the exposition. We're going to talk about fasting, and we're going to talk about a book that you've been reading that has been very striking. So lots to cover today on the program, and it'll be a blessing to you, and we'll get started in just a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for all the ways that you take care of us, that you bless us. Father, I ask that you bless this program. Bless and anoint Carrie and me to be useful servants to you and to the people who listen. Lord, we just want you to be glorified. That's what we want with our lives, that you would be glorified. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, lots to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the expo and adoration, talk about fasting, as well as uh, paying attention and reading, in particular, as a very important, uh, what would you call it, a life a hab- a habit for developing life. So, anything you want to say about that last one before before I dive into the first one? Oh, just that it takes a lot of attention and focus to be able to actually read a book today for me and uh, just with um, other draws that take me away from sitting and reading quietly. So Carrie, when I think about this uh, adoration and uh, exposition uh, event that happened on Sunday, we were at, and we had the privilege and pleasure of going out to dinner afterwards with Dr. Mary Healy, it ended up being all about Jesus and the idea that uh, a... Uh, a renewal, a revival can happen in the church through an encounter with Christ in the Eucharist. That coming to him, opening to him, being available to his coming close to us can change everything. And that's what I was most excited for, was that sense of coming to the feet of Christ and crying out, Jesus renew your church, awaken your church. Lord, unless you spark a revival, there will be no revival. We may walk through the street, but we won't be salt, light, and leaven. I really liked seeing all the people from the different uh, church groups, the co-ops, the schools, and just something about being with all these different Catholics from all over. I find it so energizing and encouraging it would be great to have that voice of this is where God is calling us. This is where we're going with courage, with articulation, with faith, with holiness to, to rally thousands, thousands of people in the church. And I, I just didn't sense that happening. I, I guess it, 
it needs to happen. There needs to be this this leader, this person locally or in the area, maybe someone really holy <laughs> that, I don't know, it's like I'm ready to follow, but I need someone to say this way, and I don't get that sense. And I don't necessarily think, oh, it's just Jesus is going to show up and we're all going to follow him. I really do feel like there's going to be a, there needs to be a person or a someone who embodies him that is leaving such a beautiful, holy life. It's amazing when you're around someone who's living courageously and heroically um, and good that it inspires me to want to be good. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I You've used the phrase, there has to be an outpouring. We need to have the power of God move. And that will... That, that will occasionally happen upon a group, but more often it happens because there is one who has been called by God to come apart and to receive that outpouring. And then it sort of flows from there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not one way or the other. You but- know, in talking to Dr. Mary Healy, I felt um, because she travels all over the country and, and world, I wanted to find out from her where that Holy Spirit move is or where do you sense... The church strong. Yeah, and I, I, asked, I raised the question is what's God doing? Like, where do you see God moving? Yeah. Right? Like, the reason why we got, we've known her for 30 years, and you've known the Healy family longer than that. Oh, yes. I dated her brother. You dated Dr. Mary Healy's brother. <laughs> Who's also you a doctor. You dated Jesus. You dated Dr. Ma- <laughs> He's also a doctor in philosophy. A doctor in philosophy. Great Not, family. Who's also? Uh, I'm a doctor Nick. in theology. Oh, sorry. Well, I just, theology, philosophy, all those, you know. <laughs> Since, see, the people that you dated, let's see, are either philosophers, theologians, or priests. Is that about it? That's about it. Yeah. So, kind of a small pool that you were swimming in there, dear. Uh, I met her the first time I was, uh, I think I was 19 or 18, and uh, Nick and I were going to go see a movie. We're at his parents' house because they bought a house in Steubenville, and I think her, his dad was the president of the school at the time. And um, I think he was the head of fundraising. I don't know if he was the president of the school. Not like Father Michael Scanlon, but he yeah. was... So I don't know what the title was. May, yeah, I don't know. Anyhow, I think there's two different titles. But we were going to go see a movie, and she walks in, and we're like, well, what, which movie do you think we should see? And we gave her two options. She, she said, oh, I wouldn't see either of them. I would go pray. <laughs> I was like, oh, your sister's really holy. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? And I think at the time she was like 22. Well, and then we connected back up with her when we moved to, when we got married and we lived in Gaithersburg, we'd attend the Mother of God Covenant Community, and she was a part of that. And she was at that point, I think we were there when she professed her consecrated virginity. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. She's just really focused. Oh, my goodness. It's just incredibly intentional. Yeah. Of course, because she wasn't going to see either of those movies. Right. <laughs> Who are you? You're only 22 and you don't even watch movies. Well, and, and I got further connected with her through Janet Smith at, at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. When she had resources that she was going to need to bring to events, I was the one who was duplicating and distributing her resources. Yeah, her so, it was, so it was really neat, though, to see to hear her share about where God is moving. Yes. Well, and the funny thing was was that it took her a while. She pondered. I had a whole bunch of questions for her. I said, I said, hey, look, Mary, I've got like six different themes to go over. And I laid them out. And she says, well, how many hours do we have? <laughs> and one of the questions was that one. It was, where do you see God moving today? And do you remember her answer? It was, it was, it's just really popped out at me. It was encounter. 
she said that it was it wasn't the charismatic renewal per se, but it was the Catholic charismatic renewal, which is focused on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the release of the gifts of the Spirit for holiness and mission, and then also leading to community. That there was a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would be, again, once again, associated with this full release or this fuller release and yielding to the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit. And that in a particular way, this was associated with the work of evangelization, the work of proclaiming, that it wasn't just about people being healed, because a lot of what happened in the renewal is that the people who experienced, who were drawn and who experienced this outpouring of the Holy Spirit would just sort of stay put because they were enjoying the healing that was coming upon them. And that's very simplistic. But one of the challenges we faced was getting them to say, no, 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 the gift given to you isn't only given for you. It's been given for the sake of mission. It's given for the sake of going forth and evangelizing. That was that was a, that was a heavier lift. I think that's... My focus was much more that. I wasn't sitting there and enjoying it. I was super evangelistic. But that might have just been you were you're the exception. Area. You were definitely the exception. You and your family. I remember Patrick, your brother, and I talking about that. He was saying that people experience conversion at the point of evangelistic contact with the world. And I said, no, people experience conversion when they come away from the world and they spend time alone with the Lord. And then from there, they go dynamically out to mission. And he said, no, 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 no. When you see the Lord work at the point of contact with the world, then you want to go run to the Lord and get to know him better. Now, who's right? That's so funny. The answer is yes. <laughs> right? It's both. Because I, I was as evangelistic as he was, but mine came from the encounter with Christ. And then I'd go forth out into the world. He was like, no, no, you got to be on the streets. You got to be on the streets. You got to be out there and you got to be talking to everybody and be willing to share the gospel. Lord, give me a chance. Let's go. So Mary, Dr. Mary Healy was saying that in particular, encounter was a, a manifestation, a, an organization that this encounter school of ministry that is bringing together Catholics and helping them see that as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus Christ, it's an ordinary thing, not an extraordinary thing, to experience such an empowerment with the Holy Spirit that you too can move in signs and wonders and deeds of power, that spiritual gifts can operate in and through your life to be a blessing to your spouse, your children, your friends, your co-workers, and the wider world. And she has talked about the way in which she has seen that continue to grow and blossom around the country and even now around the world. Well, and she said she encountered it actually through a non-Catholic. Yeah, through Protestants in South America when she was there on a mission trip. She got to be in a bus with a bunch of VIP pastors. They were all evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal, not Catholic. And she remarked on the level of expectant faith that they had, that the Lord would show up in supernatural ways and perform miraculous healings and other signs and wonders to demonstrate that he was present and to manifest that his kingdom has come. And when she then saw it happen, it was like, I want, 
I want in on that. And the church needs this. The people of God need this. I mean, you look around and who does not need an empowering, uh, miraculous, supernatural encounter of God breaking through to, to earth? Um, she said that there, I think there's over, over 60 encounter schools around the world. Encounter schools of ministry. That, and she said most of them are in the States. Yes, that's right. Which I thought was really interesting. So in next October 13th, Friday night, I'm going to be speaking at an encounter school of ministry the day one of their part one, their first module, which is on identity in, in Christ. Where's that at? It's at St. Stephen the Martyr in Renton. Oh, in Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, so I'm going to be heading over and speaking at that, and they want me to lead the signs and wonders after I <laughs> preach, let's go. It's a good thing you're fasting. It's a good thing I'm fasting, <laughs> and it's a good thing that, what did, what did we end up talking about, and what did we end up doing in the restaurant? We prayed. Oh, yes. For impartation. <laughs> it's like, we're praying back and forth. I go, wait, we're going to pray right here? And she's like, yes. And then I close my eyes, and when I open my eyes, her hands are raised. <laughs> it's just great. It's like, you go, Mary. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really awesome. But I want to come back to the fellowship, right? It is so encouraging. Why? A lot of Catholics that were at that event, they're not at, let's say, very. Uh, you can't take for granted that they're coming from vibrant parishes and there were 30 of them that got on a bus or that they carpooled and they made their way up here. No, I, I had a chance to talk to several folks and they're like, yeah, we came from Walla Walla and we maybe saw a couple of others that were here. And so you could see that thirst, that desire for community that just pulled them to come to this event. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the March for Life that we have when you get to see all the Catholic schools and uh, uh, parishes come together. I mean, that is by far the best Mass of the year for me when we were back at, um, I think it was St. Martin's. Yeah, and St. Stephen the Martyr and St. Martin's. Not St. Stephen uh, the Martyr. It was, no, sorry, sorry, St. Michael's yes. in Olympia. And then they outgrew it. Then they went to the Abbey. And that it was, just, was so cool. It was just so neat. And I'm like, we as Catholics need to do this every year. We need to do some kind of event where we all gather. We forego our Maybe su- we should call it mass. the gift conference. <laughs> forgo our mass. at our. Are you talking even bigger? Just You're a, talking big, a big deal. Like 5,000 get together, celebrate mass, all the priests. I mean, really make it a thing. The USCCB, the bishops need to organize this where you can actually just be joyful and encouraged by all your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's what Franciscan is so powerful is when you see 800 or 2,000 people worshiping the Lord or 3,000, however many are at the... It is so encouraging, and we need that courage today. Right, encouraging. It puts courage into the heart. It also it, it gives you kind of a spiritual fill-up of your gas tank. For sure. Right? Oh, I love it. I well, love that stuff. And the funny thing is, you love it, right? So I'm a little more introverted, so I enjoyed the quiet part of adoration. <laughs> hey. You and quiet, you enjoyed the singing. I saw you talking beautiful. to a bunch of people. I what did, I was like, but I was exhausted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very friendly, but it drains me. Come on, let it. All right, all right, it's fine. It's give a, me permission. You can, you can be drained. Yeah. So I, I came away with a couple of challenges. One of them came from Dr. Mary Healy's talk when she talked about the multiplication of the loaves and the willingness to trust enough to give more than just a crumb. That the apostles, who had only seven loaves, were asked to trust that the Lord would have an abundance beyond what they could see, measure, and plan for. If only they would trust radically. You talk about courageously, heroically. Trust and entrust what you're going through to the Lord. And the more that they started to give out crumbs, then they could give out little chunks and then a half and then the whole loaf. And then pretty soon they're realizing, wait a minute, 
God is providing in a way that we can't even imagine. We couldn't have planned for. We couldn't have caused. That's faith. And that's faith. And that word is striking me. It's really living inside of me now about, am I trusting the Lord enough to take care of my family, to provide for my family? And am I just giving him crumbs? Am I giving him only a portion of the loaf, a half a loaf, or the full loaf? Well, right now I'm fasting. I guess I'm giving him the whole loaf. So, all right, we're up against a break there. When we come back, we're going to switch our theme to fasting. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, um, we're moving from, let's see, talking about a nice dinner to fasting. How about that? Good. How's that feel? Terrible. Oh, so Carrie, where do you want to go with this fasting thing? Because fasting has all of a sudden become a big part of our lives. How did um, that even happen, huh? Yeah, maybe just how it happened is a good way to start, a good place to start. Okay, well, we, uh, what would you say, it, it, how it happened? I was away somewhere. I was in Seattle, and you had told me that you had Brendan Case on and that you were starting this 21-day fast, or maybe it was a 40-day fast. Yeah, I started at 40. And I think by the time we came home, you were on day four, I believe, or day three. Anyhow, I thought I would join you because you were feeling a lot of the benefits. And I thought, well, if Tom can do it and Brendan did it, and I was reading up on some people that were doing water fasting, I thought, well, maybe I could try it. The interesting thing is I felt like it's easier for me to fast without any food and just water and coffee than it was if I allowed myself to have like a piece of toast or bread and butter or, because I always associated fasting with, oh, you can have bread and water. But once I started- No, 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 no. You've always associated fasting with, you can have one meal and two small meals that don't equal a third meal. Well- A second meal. Yeah, sure. But in like real spiritual fasting. Oh, got it. (laughs) It was bread and water. And so I think when I would have bread, it would just- alert my appetites and I would want to have more. So it was hard to stop. Whereas I felt like once it was just water and I started that, it was once that dam breaks, it's hard for me to pull anything back in. But if I keep that strong constitution of I'm just not having anything to eat, then it was doable. Well, you said strong constitution. I just use the word commitment. I think that that's one of the, one of the gifts of saying you're going to do a particular form of fast over the course of one day or a multiple a multi-day fast is that you make a commitment and that means that you don't have to make choices through the day and you've you know we've talked a bit about the difference between choice and commitment right commitment is you've made your choice choices involve facing moment by moment or you know in the course multiple times a day what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And you know what that is? That's exhausting. Yes. And we, we lose our energy. We lose our focus. Our, our resistance weakens. And all of a sudden, we give way. But when, when you make a commitment, the capacity to make and com- keep commitments is just a really big deal. And that provides a strength, a strength to be able to wake up in the course of a day and say, I don't even have to think about it. I know what I'm going to be having today. I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning 
and I'm just going to drink water other than that. And on the one hand, at the level of the will, it's really easy. At every other level, it's really hard. Yes. There was a time, I think we went, so I got home from that trip and I joined you and I just did a 72-day fast. And to be honest, partly I was doing it to lose weight. So it's like, Lord, just help me where I'm at. Use my mo- use the motives I have to bring me closer to you, even if they're not wholly intentioned. And uh, we went for a walk and there was this big wedding happening and there was a barbecue. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we just stood in front of a cul-de-sac and we just smelled the air. I was like, just drink it in, honey. And we just, oh, smell that food. And it, it, so the funny thing is all, all of my smelling senses were awakened at a new height because I wasn't eating and that whole area was shut down. But at the same time, so many other things were awakened, which were really positive. Um, so when you started your fast, Tom, I thought I really wanted to join you in this. It was a, it was neat to do it as a couple. It was neat to meet you and to be able to share with you in the, the difficulties and also just so many good benefits. It was way better and way more um, positive than I ever thought it could be because you just say, oh, we're just going to do a fast together and, you know, God's going to move or I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> but I just didn't know what I didn't know. And it seems so odd that I'm in my 50s and I didn't realize the benefits of water fasting until actually doing it. Yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a I don't know if this is just like another example of a sadness of something that we've lost in our tradition. And it's almost taking the world to wake us back up to what the church was given and then in a certain sense left behind. And that was having a a deep appreciation for the power and importance of asceticism, of the power and importance of mortification, or, in other words, the power and importance of fasting as part of our own spiritual lives and spiritual growth. And you've mentioned how many times the way that the world has advanced, like different systems of eating that are are really, frankly, focused on just helping people get healthy, right, look better, feel better, but then even the those that have gone to more extreme lengths to, you know, take ice cube, ice cold baths, uh, you know, ice, ice cube plunges and rigorous fasts, water fasts, cleansing fasts. I think one guy I follow, he just did a 36-day walk, and it was like the most, he was an NFL player, and so he said it was just like the most physical demanding, straining, arduous thing he's ever undergone. And it wasn't even about faith. And that's what's so interesting is you have all these people trying to be more productive and more um, affluent and more like optimal peak uh, operating uh, ability at their, their best. And they'll use extreme measures physically to get to these different levels emotionally or relationally or even monetarily um, to be more productive, and they're not doing it out of faith, and it just makes me feel like, hey, <laughs> don't leave me behind. I'm supposed to be like, we're supposed to, as faith believers, leading this charge of 
being sacrificial and doing a supernatural thing for God's honor and to grow in holiness, and yet we're just kind of watching others do it for just more human... Um, or worldly. Yeah, not necessarily even bad, and I wouldn't say evil even, um, but just human gains. And so that, that really convicted me. Like, I need to have a better sense of how God's yeah. wanting the church, and specifically me, to um, up my game. A number of saints have pointed that out and said we should be ashamed because when we are outdone in the fervor, the zeal, the commitment of those in the world in their pursuit of worldly goals, they outdo what the children of God are supposed to be doing to live out their faith. Yeah. So that's a that's a big deal. But to speak to your point, Carrie, yeah, the fruits of fasting came quickly and were, again, really surprising. Now, and I've done fasting, right? Fasting has been a part of my my routine but not beyond a day not beyond a day and not beyond i take one meal and two partial meals that don't add up to another that's meal that's just not even fasting well this is the thing i think even during lent and i'm not trying to put down the efforts i've made or you've made or others have made to grow closer to the lord but i just like how sacrificial is it for me to have two small meals and and actually it felt hard it feels harder to do it that way then you just say, no, there's no choice, there's no option, we're not eating. And then there's just, like you said, the freedom to do that. What I think is so neat about this, this um, 72-hour fast, is just the awakening of how addicted I am to food, or how attached I am to food. Now, the word addiction has probably negative connotations, so it just, but it just made me realize, I think a lot about food, what I'm making, what I'm eating, what I'm preparing for the kids and you, where we're going to eat, where we're going to go, <laughs> what are we going to order? <laughs> and um, just all the hours of the day, and I mean hours, that I think about eating. Now, in a or fast, you you're even... you spend on eating. <laughs> well, you spend time on it. But I'm thinking, when I was fasting, I was probably thinking about food more. <laughs> um, but actually, it wasn't. It, it slowly left, and it became more um, energy and focus and the ability to feel strength. I think that was the greatest benefit is how I felt so proud of my own strength. Now, of course, I want the Lord to step in and help me with all this. And I'm sure it was a grace that happened and it was a gift. But it also, you know, you do it a few times, you feel like, okay, I can do this. The Lord has this. I have this. We can move forward in this. So I I think it was just, I'm not saying easier, but it was do, it was so much more doable than I thought. Well, I want to I want to pick on the word revelation. It was a, it's a revelation how attached we are to food, and let's just say the desire, the appetites of the flesh, right, and and the appetites of sense of of tasting, um, and touch are the ones that Aquinas points to as having the greatest sense of um, uh, like bondage bringing to us. And so when we think of softness, like again, all the, 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 t- the sensual touch, and then you think of food, right? So those two are a really big deal. Well, on Sunday, um, Sunday morning, I had that discernment. I'm going to do another 21-day water fast. And I was journaling about it on my phone, t- taking notes on it during Mass. Like the insights were coming quickly. And I just was like, I was praying at Mass, but I was also trying to capture these insights. And I felt such a clarity of conviction and this sense of this is amazing, I, this is exciting. 
within five minutes, not even, within a, like two minutes of getting in the car with the kids and driving them home and them saying, I am so hungry, I can't wait to eat some food. Part of me said, oh, those desires I had in the church, oh well, too bad. I'm going to enjoy a nice omelet. I'm going to have some eggs and some toast. I'm going to really enjoy this. And the flesh started to assert itself. The fleshly part of me just started to say, you think you're going to do a 21-day water fast? Good luck. The, and so it's almost as if the flesh, like the, the alarm bells went off. Yes. And the flesh started saying, push back, push back, push back. And thanks be to God, I was given the grace to be able to not only experience those, those hungers, those pulls towards eating, while also standing apart from them and looking at them. Mm -hmm. So I had a degree of separation from them where I could look at them and say, you know what? Just because I feel those intensely right now doesn't mean I have to act on them. And so I, it was as if the Lord was saying, you don't have to be immersed, completely submerged, and then carried along by these desires connected to food. But the Lord can begin to give you and me a capacity to say, your body is experiencing this, but you don't have to act on it. And that's how, in our spiritual lives, we are in the furnace. It really does feel like you're lifting weights. If I think of weightlifting and when you're doing reps and the muscle's super sore and you're like doing five, four, and you can just feel you're the, burning. the burn. Um, there is times where that is a good undergoing. I mean, I know it's not easy, but there is a hard, difficult good there. Um, but I think we should start back with just kind of our old eating habits and how this has kind of uh, I want to say sanctified or renewed or restored, um, just a, an awareness of food and awareness of, uh, daily eating habits. And then how it's come from not just, you know, you're doing a 21 day and I've just, um, gone on to do like a 24 hour since then and how it's just physically helped us. Yeah. So, I mean, there. Are, I would say this. I, I was. I was kind of caught up in the. So I did the 21 days. Then I did the 21 days of failing to fast. So uh, I was. I was attempting to go to penitential eating or intermittent fasting. I've talked about that, and I just did a. I just failed. Well, I just realized how much I eat. My my typical eating day is not in the morning, but from like three on, and then after dinner, I will eat from eight to eleven at night, and that's where I just fail. <laughs> and it's just kind of not even, I'm not hungry, but it's, it's yummy. It's, it's ice cream. It's the leftover me, it's pork chop. Comfort. It's a leftover steak, whatever yeah. it is. And it's, and it felt like I was just mindlessly eating food to fill an, an ache or to just, cause I was bored or do, I can't even tell you the, the right um, psychology or physiology beyond behind it all. But to know, I did not like how I was behaving. And I just like, this is really not healthy. This is not going to help. Do I want these habits for the rest of my life or do I even want to fall into this? And so, and I think that's something that, you know, we all struggle with different, um, and I wouldn't say it's a temptation. I think it's just our physical body exerting itself. So anyhow, just going from that more 
broken, um, dysfunctional way of eating to having more control and more um, say or more purpose in how we eat. So it's freedom in front of food, freedom in the face of food, right? Having that space to say, I can make a choice that I don't have to do this because it's not in accord with my highest ideal. I think that one of the things I've shared with you is I will eat food that's not healthy for me because it's available. It's just in front of me. And I, um, I think one of the things that we're still trying to figure out is how do we provide food for our kids without me, therefore, just feeling like I've got the freedom to go after the saltine crackers and put peanut butter on them at night because now they're around. When or, they weren't around, I wouldn't do it. Or ice cream. Or ice or cream or popcorn or, or all the really sweet and salt well, things. Well, it's sugar and carbs. Yeah. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom and Carrie. Who is this? Who, Who are this? we? <laughs> Who are you, dear? Hey, we're talking about fasting, and, and boy, huge benefits to fasting. And let me just put out the disclaimer. We are not telling anybody specifically, go do a water fast for 21 days or seven days or three days, you, you got to consult a doctor. I just, just always want to put that medical disclaimer out there. I always so feel that. I don't litigious. want people to feel like Tom did it, Carrie did it, I should do it. And then they something terrible happens. They have to go work out as a lumberjack all day and they collapse. And something terrible happens because they tried to follow something that I was called to do. So they have to discern this on their own. Let me let me put that oh, out let there. Let me put this out Yeah, author. let me put that out there. All right. I just... Uh, uh. <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah, I I think we were just talking about the benefits and not even realizing benefits until you've done it or encountered it or go, undergone it, yep. undergo it. It's just um, mind-boggling that I'm in this time in my life and I've not done this before. I would say that it's an underappreciated and not appreciated with enough nuance the way that our faith is... Uh, is uh, I'm going to use a word that is going to set people off is Gnostic. And what Gnostic means is, is that there's knowledge that's only available to the person who has experienced it. You don't get it until you experience it. You don't get the power of adoration until you do it, confession until you do it, et cetera, et cetera. You don't get fasting really, really, really until you fast. And you don't get the deeper dimensions of fasting until you fast in a deeper way. And I can say that that is so true for me. And I've been a pretty involved Catholic for my whole life. And I was stunned what happened five days into my fast, how little sleep I needed. I mean, I was waking up so early in the morning and I still am this morning. What I got is up early? At, I got up at 3.30 today and just woke up. And I'm thinking I'm getting up. And so I prayed and reflected for an hour and 45 minutes before I even just thought about moving on with my day. 
And by then it was already 5.15 in the morning, right? And then you decided to wake me up. I said, honey, you got to get up. Let's go. <laughs> You're missing out. You, you don't want to miss out on this <laughs> like, miracle what? morning. I'm a couple I'm a couple hours ahead of you, a couple cups of coffee ahead hey, of you. Hey, just to testify to God's goodness, I know the listeners know I struggle with getting up in the morning. And when I say getting up, I mean before 7. Um, I don't sleep in until 8. I'm always up before 8. But still, I wanted to be up at 5 or 6. And it's kind of a productivity thing. And... Also, I feel like I hit the ground running, and lately, I've had just an answer to prayer and being able to get up earlier, and it's it's been really good. I've not made the best use of like prayer and seeking the Lord in those hours, but <laughs> but <laughs> it has been great. I don't know if this this is the kind of thing where it's a lot easier to get up in the morning when the sun's up or when it's coming up versus mm-hmm. in the winter. When it's you get up and you it's like the dark. wrong season, dear. You <laughs> pick the wrong season. Going into season. the downing of the sun, but it's just been a, a blessing. And I don't know if also part of the fasting thing is, even though I'm awake at night, I just feel like I'm ready to go to bed, and I don't like I'm not going to linger and stay awake because I want to go get chocolate co- chip cookies and milk, or I want to go get a bowl of ice cream. I'm like, okay, I need to go to bed because I don't want to be tempted to eat all of that stuff. And so part of healthy eating and, and the times in which we eat shifts. And so we're no longer, well, you're not even eating, but I just don't feel the same pull. I have a better awareness of, okay, I'm done eating at eight o'clock and then, oh, I guess I'll go to bed. And I, I'm not saying that I do this perfectly, but I think just the awareness of, oh, I really struggle with temptations or my visit, my um, will is weakened in the evenings. And it's, you know, whether I'm going to watch a show or go scroll or on my phone or um, just kind of waste time reading silly magazines or whatever. Um, so it's a lot harder for me to pray at night. It's a lot harder for me to maintain a sense of um, constitution and fight the flesh. Or It's not the flesh. It's just I'm tired. You're and tired, so I you don't have as much energy to put towards to, doing what you really yes, want to do. Yes, so the flesh Thank steps you. in and says, hey, I'll give you a place to enjoy some comfortable... Uh-huh. You know, it just seems like kind of a of the waste flesh. of time. I know. I, I don't know. what. I don't want to say waste because that's can, not it either. Okay, no one else can relate to this. <laughs> okay, no one else deals with this at all. <laughs> all I'm saying is now that I'm going to bed earlier, I'm getting up earlier. But it kind of related. It was around food and being on the phone. And both of those things were not really healthy. Do you think I, I'm going to bring up something that wasn't on our list? Did it also have to, does this have anything to do at all? Is there any connection between this fasting here and, and how you're relating the food in a healthier way and drinking. Um, well, I definitely sense the di- the addiction part of it. I can see how I don't. I'm not drinking, and so there was this total sense of freedom and empowerment, and I'm in control of my life, and I can choose how to be in better relationships with my family and my kids and husband. And I think eating healthier, I feel way more in control. I feel like my relationship with you and the kids is stronger, better, healthier. Um, so I feel like if you move in a healthier direction in any part of your life, it just encourages me. It makes me proud but of I'm you. I'm going to use a different I'm... word. It uncovers things too. I think that like eating for comfort's sake, eating because I just have that attraction to it, it covers over things because I don't have to deal with them. Oh, yes. And so I think one of the things you were sharing with me earlier today... <laughs> it's so funny how you bring up things I shared, which like I did. <laughs> well, you were saying how, goodness, I I see myself reacting with, you know, more like I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a quicker trigger finger around reacting to my kids. 
because, well, not because, maybe in part because I'm not drinking and that would have made me more relaxed. And so it's kind of uncovered a sense of, oh, how do I relate to my emotions? How do I relate to my kids and use my emotions in bringing things up to my kids or disciplining them? Yeah, you could say that. There might be a little bit more raw or honest uh, being in touch with what I'm dealing with inside time to reflect and think about it. Honestly, if I was you know, caught up in those other areas, I don't really take the time or effort to do that because I'm just enjoying life and being soothed. Yeah, comfortable. Right, soothed. soothed. That's a good word. I haven't used that word. That I word's going to start showing hey, up. I love being soothed. Yeah. <laughs> like now I have to find another way to be soothed. It's not, it's just, how do you do that in a way that is honoring to the Lord and helping those around me? And I just feel like some of the soothing I do is just self-centered. Well, so when I think about the uncovering that's happened to me through fasting, that's been a real gift, right? It, it, there's an uncovering of the way in which the flesh, just towards food, wants to assert itself and and make me sort of just go with that flow rather than saying, no, I, I'm going to choose to eat moderately and wisely. And that was something that I, I thought that when I came off the first 21-day fast, I thought I would be able to do that. And I was surprised in the 21 days, I slowly started falling back. And even though I would kind of reassert moments of, of discipline, like I'm going to do, I'm going to fast through the day and I would make it to dinner. Sure enough, by the end of the evening, I would collapse and I would end up uh, mentioning like the crackers with the peanut butter or the, or the popcorn. Popcorn. Totally not necessary, <laughs> but boy, it felt really good in the moment. And I always heard your voice. Oh, the loving, encouraging voice? The, the voice Honey, inside of you. So Why are you much? doing this? I would hide the food. I'm, now I'm telling you. I do not want you I to. I would hide it. I would hide it like next to my leg. I'd are put this, it behind a book anytime next we're hiding, to the couch. Guys. I'm like, <laughs> if Carrie comes out, she's going to be really disappointed. No, no, really upset. No, no, no. She's going to give me that no. look. Oh, no. I don't want that any is... of that. Let me hide the peanut butter jar. and Hey, I, this is hey, a confession. I hide food this from my... This is confession. I hide ice cream and chocolate from my kids. Because I don't want to share it with them. <laughs> like, there's only one piece. I don't want to share this between five people. Um, no, it is. It is funny how we. I proclaim this great, you know, victory and strength, and then I'm doing these tiny first grade habits or uh, actions of hiding and trying to. It, it, that is so interesting to look at that and honestly say, Lord or self, where in this do I need to be aware? Yeah, and, and Lord, what are you doing? How do you want to transform me, right? So this just shows that, you know, that whole idea, if I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord, I have to be willing to do the hard easy, right? And so this fast is very different than the other one. The last fast was about asceticism. Asceticism is spiritual training. And when I talked about it, I would talk about growth and holiness and increased spiritual power in mission and in intercession. Mm -hmm. You know, this demon only is cast out through prayer and fasting. And... It, it, I kind of cruised through it. It was easier than I imagined because I had this like almost superhuman effort, like, Lord, the Lord is raising me up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This one is so different. This is about the other arm of ascetical theology, which isn't asceticism, it's mortification, which is dying to self, which is a crucifying the flesh and its desires. It's about being united with Christ crucified in a redemptive suffering, but it's a suffering and I'm only five days in, 
I'm suffering. This I did not experience this in the last water fast. Interesting. And so, but it's I'm doing it for the sake of you and the kiddos. So there you go, dear. All right, we're up against a break, believe it or not. When we come back, we're going to talk about... Um, well, there's a couple more things we can add Oh, yeah, we'll this. finish up on fasting, and then we'll talk about reading. Okay. Back in a minute. I'm going to talk about OMAD. One meal a day? Yeah. Hey, welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, uh, we've, we've kind of woven around this fasting issue. And woven, when I say woven around, we've woven together kind of spiritual theology and other kind of human elements. We've also talked about shifting away from a more typical, like recent understanding of fasting to a more rigorous one. Um, I, I want to do two things. One is to just get your, like, what's a recommendation you'd make to folks who are listening who are like, hey, I'd like to up my game beyond the one meal, two partial meals. I'd like to up, what does that look like for you? Because you've, you've kind of done that. I think... A good way to start would be try the so this this goes from intermittent fasting to like a full blown uh, twenty four hour thirty six seventy two hour fast water fast. So you could try and we've done this, Tom, uh, where you don't eat for sixteen hours and then you can eat for eight hours with a few meals in there. And when you eat for the eight hours, it's not just eat whatever you want. It, it's trying to eat healthy. Um, I know our daughter, Mary Grace was trying to work towards a water fast. And so she went up to not eating for 20 hours and only eating for four hours. And that's called an OMAD one meal a day. And again, it's not those four hours. You just eat everything inside. It's having a plan of what can I eat that is going to feed my body and that's going to help me maintain control. Um, so I'm talking, I try to do that. Like, okay. So for me, I, when, um, when I got back, I was like, Hey, I'm going to have a cup of coffee in the morning and then I'll fast until dinner. And it was hard, hard, hard. So I ended up having you or I would make a yummy salad. And it was just lettuce and some vegetables. You'd throw in meat, like chicken or steak. I wouldn't. but And I wouldn't have croutons and I would have apple cider vinegar because that was instead of rice wine vinegar. I'd have apple cider vinegar because supposedly it helps foster. <laughs> no, it helps foster like a fasting. I, I, I'm effect. laughing because there's always every few months there's a new a thing fad, you need to have thing. a new pill, a new nutri- nutritious supplement. Well, in any case, something I, that worked pretty well okay. until I collapsed at night, and then the popcorn came out and the saltine hmm. crackers. So one meal a day um, is an option. So you eat in a window, and so. Can you have a cup of coffee in the morning if you're doing that? I think people can do whatever suits them. I yeah. I don't really have. I'm just. I don't have the authority on this, or this is just what I did. Um, I think it's helpful to be prayerful and have like maybe on a Good Friday or or first Friday or not a Good Friday, but a, a Friday. Um, some people. So if you follow some of these people, they will uh, go off their fasting. On weekends, and then they get right back on it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they might take a break day. 
And so it's kind of a reset where you, if you study it more and you're looking at it for health benefits and for losing weight, they go into ketosis and how your body gets into certain states and lowers insulin and then burns calories. I don't know. It's It, it can get very scientifically detailed. And some of these people that do this track all their blood sugars and it, it's pretty funny how uh, because science is so advanced and you can track all this stuff and people like to track certain things like that, it can get very, um, almost like an, an idol, I guess. Um, but for me, I was just thinking if you just want to try one meal a day fast, like fast all day, or if you start the night before, uh, like at eight o'clock at night, and then you can go for 24 hours until the next day at 20 at eight o'clock, the next night at eight o'clock. Um, I've done that. And it's, it, I'll tell you what, food tastes amazing after you've not eaten for 24 hours. Or when we did the 72 hour, it was the best. I think we, I ended up breaking the fast with, um, some, uh, a pasta salad with goat cheese and no feta cheese and olives from, uh, Costco. It was so amazing. And it, it kind of resets my, your whole way of looking at food where now I don't take it for granted or I appreciate it or, I don't want to let um, just kind of the mindless eating that I'll do. When you put in fasting, it helps me just be a little bit more intentional. But it's certainly not, you know, we're the currents. We <laughs> we always have new fads. I think last year we were doing keto. Was it two years ago we did keto? And then last yeah, year we did an intermaf- intermittent nap. fasting. Hey, four, now we're doing water ago, fasting. Five years ago I did the packets of dust. So yeah, so we just, this is the new thing we're doing, but it actually is, spiritually speaking, amazing. And the fact that you're on day five of just a water fast and you've done the 21 day, I cannot, um, I don't think I could do that, but just to see you do that and see all the benefits, it's been such a gift to me. Um, our partnership and, and marriage and doing it with your spouse is pretty awesome. People, you know, one thing they say on the podcast is don't talk about it. If you're fasting, don't tell people you're fat water fasting, just do it quietly. Why is uh, that? Actually, I can't even remember Is it sort why. of the spiritual thing where you don't no. draw attention to it? Like people wouldn't understand it. They would think maybe oh, you're being like dangerous. You, yeah, oh, yeah, are you being safe? That's you really crazy? not smart to do. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. And I think our culture, just we are so food bombarded. Every, you know, it used to just be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And now it's early breakfast. And then it's mid mid-morning. And then it's lunch. And then, oh, a snack or something at three o'clock. And then it's pre-dinner snack. <laughs> dinner and then after dinner is like is a late a night thing? snack people tom i can i can eat all day oh oh snap that's what i mean yeah, just yeah, yeah. like f- like you really don't go more than two hours without eating or three hours and just how unhealthy that is for our bodies and um i mean there's a lot of research that's being done around that all but you know in a lot of ways in which i parented our kids or managed their behavior was around food like okay when you finish cleaning all this up i'll give you goldfish all right everyone it's almost time for dinner so first we're going to go organize all our, you know, play spaces and wash your hands. And then I need you guys to, and I give them little jobs and they'd be motivated by food. And it's not a bad thing, but you could see how, wait, are they going to start like associating food with (laughs) rewards and punishments? I don't know. It's just that food is such like probably the most, I would, I would say the easiest way to motivate, or it's the most fundamental uh, soothing, enticing, 
comforting thing you can do. I guess our shelter and our, our warmth is taken care of. So after that, after shelter, I would say is food that, you know, you can use to incur, you know, motivate yourself. Um, so that's all. That was a lot. <laughs> I don't. Hope that's helpful. Well, you know what? It's People can research it, it and look I, it up. I think it's funny, not funny, but the number of people who have responded to me, like when they hear about this on the radio and they see me, they'll tell me about their fasting. Like they're doing it. Oh, like cool. The, a lot of these people are fasting in different ways. A lot of them are doing the, like that 36-hour one. Like they'll have dinner and then they won't eat again until the following, like skip a day and then the next breakfast. Mm-hmm. That was one that seemed to be popular. Definitely the eat in a window of hours. That's a, that's one that I've heard too. I mean, it really is about being intentional. I think that's where you and I, my struggle is just all of a sudden I just start eating, not even thinking because I've gotten into some bad habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being more intentional about around food. And, and like, uh, and there's a lot of other areas, right, where we want to be intentional. It's not just eating, but... Well, like this, one of the early reflections I offered on fasting was this is just classical Catholic spiritual theology. It's read Ascent of Mount Carmel, book one, you know, John of the Cross, and then Dark Knight, book one. And what is it, what is he saying in both of those famous treatises on spiritual theology? He's saying, if you're attached to any of the desires of any of your senses, to the things of this world, you're not going to sense God's presence. You're not going to grow in faith. And it's just like, dang, man. And he just talks about all the harms that are caused by being attached to the goods of this world. Well, and I know when we were doing our fast together, just how we would constantly reference food and how attached we are and going through it, the the sense of trying to be disattached and... Detached. Detached. And just not realizing, I think we had our anniversary during that time. We were going to go out with friends during that time. I think several times we have gone out, like we went out with... Mary Healy, and you had water, which was hilarious, <laughs> and not wanting her to feel uncomfortable. I had to eat alongside her, even though I'd just eaten a meal at uh, the the exposition. They fed everyone with De Leon uh, tacos, which are super awesome uh, and yummy. And so it was just funny because I was determined to do this fast. I'm like, we cannot take her out, and then both of us aren't going to eat. Um so you fasted from fasting, honey. Yeah, you were right. the real. I doubled it, double down, man. You were the real heroine. That is awesome. All right. Well, Carrie, uh, thank you for walking with me. It's um, we're sharing this journey. You know, it's uh, it's something that we're struggling, but seeing breakthroughs and that's a blessing. Uh, and we'll have more to share. I just as as the journey continues, but we're it, up against the end of our yeah. program. So, Carrie, thanks for being with me today. For sure. Hey, um, next week is the. Uh, Sister Eucharista, Mary Eucharista, will be on on Tuesday. Monday will be uh, a program with our wonderful priests. And uh, she and I will be talking about the seven sorrows of Mary and the San Damiano crucifix. It's a cool program. All right, God bless you guys.